It's good to be together this morning. Amen? Amen. You can turn, if you will, in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We are thankful for your prayers and thoughts as we've... uh, I've spent most of the last week uh, in the panhandle in my mind uh, and the passing of our dear friend, but we spent Thursday and Friday there with the family and with the funeral. Uh, was very was very difficult time for all of us. Uh, was, was also a very enriching time. And Jay Lee got to spend time, a uh, good time, with people who helped raise her when she was a child. And honestly, I don't know, I don't know how much she would get a chance to do that again. So, Lord worked it out, and we're thankful for y'all letting us be there, and thankful for your prayers and thoughts while we were away. We come over to Luke chapter nine, and. Uh, I want to be merciful for everybody for our uh, daylight saving time. I've always had an S in there, Brad. My dad always put S's on stuff. It was Kmart's and there was Walmart's and I thought it was daylight savings time, but there's no S. I guess it's just daylight saving time. So with all the daylight we have saved, we're all tired. So I'll try to be to the point this morning. Luke chapter 9, we have a, a little record here that will, help us, that will help us as we go forward thinking about the kingdom uh, and maybe we would think, well, that goes without saying. Evidently, it does not. It did not for Luke to Theophilus. AD 60, when Luke writes this letter to Theophilus to give him uh, more orderly account so he can know as of certainty the things he's taught. I got that from chapter 1. In AD 60, the Jewish nation, the leaders of the Jewish nation, are still in adamant persecution of the church. For them, for them, Christianity is a sect of Judaism since uh, the church was first started at Pentecost and those who became Christians were Jews and proselytes to Judaism and all those involved preaching the message uh, early on were Jews and so the Jewish leaders uh, set to squelch that, to remove it, to put out the put out the fire as it were, to put a stop to it. And so they persecuted the church. Acts chapter 8 and Luke, Luke 2, you know, which is the book of Acts, uh, the Jews persecute the church and they scatter them. And most, I guess all of the, uh, the very first Christians were Jews, but for a good while that was true. And the introduction to Christianity came with people who were who were Jews uh, by race or uh, those who were converts to that religion. But this little section of scripture here, given, given 
from a Gentile to a Gentile, Luke the prophet writes, Theophilus, the Gentile, I'm sure a leader of the early church, perhaps an elder. Uh, but there's this conflict that goes on within the church between Jewish Christians and, and their misunderstanding about the law of Moses and Gentile Christians. And they look down on Gentile Christians, and a lot of times their efforts are to try to uh, make distinctions within the body of Christ. And Jesus, being the king, he doesn't allow that. Those in the kingdom belong to Jesus. Those in the kingdom are disciples of the king. And that's what we're about to be approaching here uh, the concept of the kingdom we're about to focus on in the near future is discipleship. And that's what the call of the kingdom is, is for you to be a disciple of the king. He has all authority. He is the one that we are in pursuit of. He is the one who brings us to God. He is the one that this feast is based on, draws us to, and teaches us about. He is the one through which we enter God's presence. It is by the king's intercession that we approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace to help us in our time of need. It is in the name of the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords that we have salvation. Luke would record for us in Acts 4.12, there is, is Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin, and they say, there's no other name. Well, what name would there be? The Jews got a list of names, folks. Moses, Elijah, the lawgiver, the one who stands for, they got a list of names. No, none of those bring you to God. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved because of the name, it's by the name and the authority of Jesus of Nazareth, this man stands here before you healed that they were on trial for healing. So we have this little section in here and we'll read it together. Uh, starting in verse 28. About eight days after this, and, and Luke has just given us, remember he asked, and last week we talked about who do the crowd say I am? He asked the apostles. And then who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ that is the Messiah. You are the king of God for the kingdom. If anyone would come after me, verse 23, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That is the epitome. That is the mission statement of discipleship right there. And in regard to that, about eight days later, verse 28, after Jesus had said this, he took Peter, James, and John, three of his apostles that go with him places nobody else goes. He took them with him, and he went up on a mountainside to pray. And he was praying, and the appearance, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes, they became bright as a flash of lightning. And two men... Moses and Elijah, they appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure. Interestingly enough, that uh, word is really exodus, his exodus, his departure. 
which he was about to bring to fulfillment at at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. And when they became fully awake, they saw his glory, the glory of Jesus. They saw his glory and two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. He's nervous. He's frightened. He's talking. That's what people do. And while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice from the cloud was saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Because what were they in the habit of listening to? What were they raised and taught to listen to? What, what was Jesus listening to? What was the entire Jewish nation listening to? The law of Moses and the prophets. That gave them their identity, that gave them their distinction, that gave them God's purpose for themselves. Very shortly, on a space timeline here, that's not going to be the voice of God for his purpose, for his will. It's not going to be the voice for his kingdom. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. He was alone. The voice of Moses still stands in in history. The voice of Elijah still stands in history. But we're moving on from Jewish history and we're in the, mid- in the midst of an introduction to the kingdom of God. The kingdom that brings us from the dominion of darkness into the king of kings, into the kingdom of the son that he loves, Colossians chapter 1 says. The kingdom that reigns and rules in the hearts of lives of men, John 18, 36, Luke 17, 20. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and they told no one at that time what they had seen. This is a little preemptive strike among the apostles. If you've come to follow Jesus as the, as the next thing among Judaism, if you've come to listen to him as the next prophet, uh-uh. He's not the next prophet. He is the son of God. He is the king. The law, which Moses brought, really, Paul said in Galatians 3 and Acts 7, was delivered by angels. But through Moses the prophet, okay. 
That was Israel's identity. That was their purpose from God. But Jesus is the fulfillment of that, and no longer will the law get God's purpose accomplished. Elijah stands for all the prophets, and the prophets were preachers, and they straightened out the morality of the people. Stop doing this. Start doing this. Keep yourselves submitted to God. They straightened out the lives of the people. They were preaching. They weren't. They weren't. They made reference to the law, but they didn't give the law which constituted the relationship of Israel with God. The law gave them the sacrifices, the priesthood, the altar, the temple, the worship, all those things. The prophets just outlined and brought to them their morality. Preaching primarily as Elijah did, the message of repentance. And all of that, God was working in his purpose, but none of that was God's ultimate purpose. Jesus is not just the next prophet. Jesus is not just the next message. Jesus is God's message. He is God's ultimate final message. He, God, is saying to us in Jesus what he says through no one else. He is giving to us in Jesus, the King of Kings, Life, eternal life. Come over here with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. The inspired Hebrew writer says, In the past, in the past, like the days of Moses and Elijah. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. And many times in various ways, he gave the prophets specific sermons to preach, messages to give. He, he took the lives of the prophets and he acted out as it were dramas that were messages given to Israel. Well, the fulfillment of that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because God is showing us in the life of Jesus what it looks like when God comes. The Word became flesh, John would say in chapter 1, verse 14, and made his dwelling among us. He was God among men. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. He has lived and, and put before us the demonstration of what it looks like when a human person is in complete and total fellowship with God. He's not just an example of how to live. He is God in the flesh. This is the purpose of God. Verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us, not through prophets, not in various times and various ways. All these people today in, in latter generations that are wanting to be prophets, they're not telling... Jesus is the message. Any prophet that's supposed to have been speaking, any prophet that's not approved by the apostles, which did signs, miracles, and wonders to prove that their message was from God, they have nothing to do with these so-called modern-day prophets today that are, that are, well, here's what you do, and they're just administering to you some religion, and I guarantee you it suits their needs and their purposes. Now, thing the world do with Jesus Christ. How are you going to improve on the message of Jesus Christ? This do in remembrance of me. There's just one. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So the kingdom is not just the kingdom is not just this next branch of religion. The kingdom is not just religion that that men have put together. The kingdom is where the voice of the son has full authority. It's where the message of the son has full authority. His his cross speaks to us of God's sense of justice and God's righteousness being satisfied and met. The empty tomb that he left behind speaks to us of God's power to give life to the dead. That's not Moses. That's not Elijah. That's certainly not some modern day prophet that are just offering to you Uh, advances of religious activity. This is not religious activity. This is the message of God. But in these last days, and and by the way, he said in verse 1, when the prophets were speaking, and in these various ways, you had little pieces and little portions of God's God's message. But, But emphatically, he states, God has said everything he has to say in his Son. But in these last days, he has spoken. The original language will be emphatic there. He has nothing else to say other than what he has said in his son. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Moses did not make the universe. Elijah did not make the universe. I know the Jews are going to be torn and they're going to be pulled and they're going to want to approach God the way they have for for centuries, even for millennia. But that's not the approach to God. That's not the message of God. And when the Mount of Transfiguration is, is taking place, this new way, this new life, this King of kings, this Lord of lords, this one who is God become man, this is imminent and it's about to happen. And the call of the kingdom is for us to remember, is for us to remember and keep ourselves fastened to this one that is the son. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the exact representation. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification from sins, there is his cross. There is his act as high priest. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. There is his enthronement. There is his kingship. There is, there is his, his Messiah position. He is king. And so we listen to him and we follow him. We are disciples of a person, the person, Jesus Christ. He has full and complete authority. Anything else that God has ever said in Scripture points you to and gets you ready for the word, for the person, for the message that he delivers to us in Jesus Christ. He's not another sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. He's not another Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. He's not the next king. He is the king. 
We are disciples of him. The call of the kingdom to us is to look to him, to depend on him, to put our trust in him, to give our ear to him. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father. We love you and we need you. And this, this world around us, Father, it speaks at a million words a second, I'm sure. It speaks in, in images and events and messages all day long, every day. And we have to deal with this world, Father, because we have to live in it. Jesus prayed. He didn't pray, Father, take them out of the world. He said, Father, leave them in the world and be with them. So while we're in this world that has its own message, while we're in this body that constantly, our flesh constantly appeals to our arrogance, not points us toward humility. Our flesh constantly points us to that which is temporary and does not last, to that which is about pleasure and comfort. Our king, on the other hand, his voice is steady and his voice is certain. And if we listen, Father, we hear the call of his voice. It is his voice that directs our hearts, our minds, our souls. It is his voice we follow. We are disciples of the King. We put ourselves, Father, we put ourselves to him, we fasten ourselves to him. And the songs we sing and the prayers we pray and the suppers we take, Father, they fasten our hearts and minds securely to him. They remind us that he is the one we trust. He is the one we obey. He is the one we submit to. And he is the one who offers, Father, what is eternal. And he alone will bring us to you, the eternal God and Father and creator of all things. Help us to trust that. Help us to trust, Father, the cross where his blood was shed. Help us to trust, Father, the tomb that is and has remained empty of his body. Help us, Father, to hold on to these things which are eternal. Help us to hear the call of his kingdom in our lives. Please bless us, Father. Bless us. Bless us to see and hear your message, your message that is offered to us through Christ Jesus, a message that separates us from ourselves, from our sinful selves, from our sinful desires of our flesh, the arrogance and the pride that it appeals to. And it directs us, Father, to the longing of our souls, the longing of our hearts for that which is eternal. Bless our struggle. Bless our efforts, Father, to know you better. Bless us to hear the one who stands alone to bring us to you. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, for Jesus who died and intercedes now on our behalf. 
It's in his precious and holy name we pray. Amen. The Lord God Almighty cannot love you more than he does. He loves you this much with a nail in each hand and one through his feet. He is there no longer and he is resurrected and he has ascended and he is reigning and ruling on your behalf. So Jesus Christ cannot be more powerful than he is to give you the eternal life that he died to give you. Would you listen to his voice? Would you submit yourself to his will? Would you be united with him? Would you follow him? We'd love to help you do that. Further your interest in it. Uh, Answer your questions and and help him direct your heart. If you have a need for our help in a public way in any way right now, won't you let us know while we stand, while we sing.